0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to DDK Pod, the podcast where three guys who founded an IT company talk IT industry news and topics that interest us. My name is Julian Day, and with me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Jatinda Kandola and Will Dalton. How are you doing, guys?
1: Good, thank you. Hi, everyone. Hi
0: there. How are you, Julian? I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad. Good. So, news, first of all. Yeah, it is good. So, news, first of all, I will go first, I think, this week, because... There's a couple of things that are going to lead into our main topic for this week. So I'm actually going to cover two or three things that are going on at the moment since the last time we recorded, since we only record once a month. So a couple of climate related stories and and energy technology related stories, which are worth having a look at if you've somehow managed to miss them. So the Earthshot prize that took place, the the ceremony for that and a number of million pound prizes were handed out to various quite exciting technology startups and, and people who need additional support. So congratulations to all of them. Obviously it's very very cool to see what Prince William's trying to do with a shot and everything and it might be something we'll come back to in future podcasts and given the way we're trying to shape our company and the values we're trying to shape it around just really encouraging stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. So
2: you get a million quid each if you win, yeah? The particular
0: idea. Was it shared a million quid? No. So so there are sort of three shortlisted potential winners for for each prize in different various different categories but all of them are in renewable green net zero carbon all that kind of stuff Mm. but they're all they all have to be innovative new Mm. things that people are doing
2: New thinking and it doesn't have to
0: be a person it has to be you know so the city of milan won one for some of the amazing recycling efforts that they're doing and then each one that wins something will get a million i think it's pounds i think it is pounds towards Uh, in, uh, continuing to develop that particular piece of technology. And some of mm-hmm. them were really cool, including the shortlisted ones that didn't win. Some of them were really interesting. There were some in, they're all, they're from all over the world as well and they're not necessarily sort of really flashy stuff. So one mm. of them was a guy, an Indian guy who developed a, a machine to help Indian farmers, I think it was burn, do the traditional burning of their fields in a much more carbon neutral way and all that kind nice. of stuff. So it was, That should come up yeah. where I live. Yes. Yeah. So there's some very, very cool stuff there. So mm. check those mm. out.
2: Should post a link on
0: um, Twitter. Y- yes, yeah, I'll, I'll put a link out. Yeah, um, but it's pretty, you know, it's pretty big story. Uh, if you just Google a shop prize, you know, your prizes or whatever, you'll yes, you'll find them. Sure. The other thing that may or may not be a good thing for the climate, depending on your perspective on how these things work, is COP twenty six, which has been going on. Mm. I think is still going on when we're recording this. Yeah. So on, at least on, stuff's on. happening. I mean, you know, what I'm not going to go into that, but but that's another big thing. It's an important story that we should all be sort of looking at, I guess. And, and certainly we're paying close attention to some stuff that's going on another,
2: there. Another sobering realization that we're all screwed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's one way. That's the Greta Thunberg way of looking at it. I'm Greta not sure Thunberg summed
2: it up brilliantly. I think it was like it, she said it was blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I'm not her biggest right. fan, but I won't go into all of are that. You now. Not? Oh, okay. No, okay. I think she's a bit blah blah blah. To be honest, if you want to change the world, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't yeah. encourage kids not to go to school. Be the change <laughs> that you want to see in the world. Yes, you know, maybe <laughs> we, we need we need yeah. people to be the next generation of scientists and engineers. Not skip school, but anyway, i know whatever.
2: She, she's encouraging
1: people not to go to school. Yeah. That's, a bit, yeah. that's yeah. A, bit, a bit. As I said, I'm male. not going to get into that. Jeremy Clarkson's got some opinions on her as well. That are in the media, <laughs> yeah,
0: I bet he has. <laughs> they're like mine.
1: I think yours are similar, actually, Julian.
0: Well, a lot of the, also, some of the facts she comes out with are a little bit sketch, to be honest. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's by the by. And then the final thing, which is important, the only reason I'm mentioning this now is because it's important to this week's topic, is that Facebook, nothing to do with climate, Facebook have changed their holding company name to Meta. So uh instagram whatsapp and facebook are probably the main three things affected by that but they are not being renamed so this has really annoyed me actually it's been one of my pet peeves over the past couple of weeks where everyone's been like oh my god have you heard facebook's turning into meta no the facebook service is still going to be called facebook if you go to facebook it's not going to suddenly be called meta it's basically the same thing as google being owned by a parent company called alphabet Alphabet. so it's a bit of a non-story really but
1: so i read that they're calling themselves meta because of the worst met- word metaverse being a yeah. persistent virtual world.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's second that life whole here we come again. To go, yeah, yeah. And it's being part of the meta, which is in especially in the gaming community, as a term for the like common denominator of all yeah. the latest trends and fashions and stuff. So yeah, it's, it works on multiple. Well, or doesn't, depending on your opinion, on multiple levels. <laughs> Will, did you want to go next with your? I think you've story? done
2: all the news stories now, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: got to be a really <laughs> move yeah. on local I'll, news. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do three, and you guys can just. It's do It's windy
2: one outside.
0: Each. Yeah, you live in Yorkshire. That's that's like <laughs> yeah, the nicest and day,
2: <laughs> and on top of a hill. Rolling Stones magazine. That's a bit of a change. We mm-hmm. have seen the enemy in Squid Game, and it's in all of us. So, Squid Game. <laughs> everyone's heard of Squid Game. It's a Netflix series that's come out. in South Korea produced and based. It's, it's summer, summary. It's about a mastermind of of a brutal contest in which hundreds of people who are a bit who are in in dire financial straits mostly they risk their lives in these in these games that are invented by this evil mastermind for a huge cash prize.
0: They're children's games actually. So they're, they're playground exactly. children's games. Yeah.
2: Yes. Exactly. And it sort of it harks back to, to the games that that thrilled this this evil mastermind <laughs> as a boy, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is ultimately the point of the article. Our lives are so devoid of joy that we <laughs> that we hark back to childhood games, which are uh, which I found a pretty pretty bleak assessment. But it did introduce us to to Squid Game. And as an aside. I, I did start to watch squid game it's quite hard going if 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 interesting but what's interesting is my eight year old has told me about squid game the squid games that they're now playing in the in the school Ooh. playgrounds mm-hmm. uh so so there you go
0: not a show your eight year old should be watching i I'm, I'm well nearly he didn't finished. watch the game he didn't watch yeah. it
2: there's no way i'm gonna let i think i don't know whether it's a fifteen or an eighteen but it's so certainly it's... above his
0: I mean, it's not like people chopping each other up with chainsaws, but it's a lot of people getting shot There's in the head and, and yeah, there yeah, are some very, uh, well, it's not like gory because people are hacking each other to pieces. There are a couple of shots of like sort of surgery and stuff, which are obviously quite gory, but but it's mostly just people getting shot. But yeah, I'm, I'm I think I'm two episodes from the end and it's pretty horrific, so I wouldn't. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't show it to to Archie.
2: I didn't show it. I'm just saying that those games have made their their way into the school. I don't think they shoot
0: themselves, though. No. Well, you'd hope not. You'd probably hear about that at parents' (laughs) evening, wouldn't you? You would. You would. You would hope, anyway. Cool, cool. Chitinder, did you want to go next with your news story?
1: Uh, Yeah, so mine is slightly related to top 26 in that rolls royce have managed to secure 455 million pounds of funding from the british government and a small group of private investors and they've got this money so that they can start to develop and roll out some small modular nuclear reactors because these are seen as a cheaper and quicker way to harness nuclear energy and to provide a more low carbon energy solution than ever
0: before
2: Interesting, mm. yeah. Unless they go wrong, of course.
0: Yeah, I'd have thought each reactor would cost like four hundred and fifty million, or that's something, exactly but, yeah. what
1: I was thinking as well. Like uh, that's nothing really for what they're yeah. doing. So I'm guessing it's some kind of proof of concept to be able to kind of deploy yeah, it to it, certain types. Of I don't, I
0: don't condition. know, but I, I thought like when the state builds an aircraft carrier with a nuclear it's reactor on it or something, it costs billions, doesn't it? Like twenty two billion. Something or...
2: that we put into into our each of our houses. We've all got sort of like a
0: nuclear reactor too. in our basement. Like in I miss a fusion from Back to the Future. <laughs> 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 i
1: banana that, skins. retrain the plumbers to be nuclear exactly, reactor yeah. specialists. Yeah.
0: Yeah. By the way, before anybody writes in, I'm well aware <laughs> that fusion and nuclear energy <laughs> are two different things. Please don't at me. Fusion and fission. Yeah, fusion and fission, yeah. So we will move on to the main topic of the show if we can. Um, it's going to be a uh, an interesting one this week, I think from a tech point of view. So I'm going to talk, if I may, about... The recent Facebook outage. So did you guys hear about this? Oh, you must have done. Surely you yeah. have to be living under a rock. Yeah. So there was a massive outage since the last time we recorded across everything. All of Facebook's or Meta's services, every single one. And they all went down. And I just thought it'd be interesting to do a little bit of a deep dive, like not too nerdy, but but a bit of a deep dive on how it actually came about. Because it's quite funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, in a a sort of perverse kind of way. But it was also a problem of Facebook's own making and there are some lessons in there for the tech industry, I think. So it'd be interesting to see what you guys make of it. So first of all, I mean, did you guys, did you find out anything about why it happened or how it happened? Is that, because obviously I've done some research into it, so I don't know how much is common knowledge and how much isn't really.
1: I believe that they didn't really have a means in which they could bring the services back up remotely or something yeah, like that. Yeah,
0: definitely part of it, yeah, yeah. That's about okay. as much
1: as I remember. Uh, I just le- remember a lot of memes of Twitter followers <laughs>
0: taking the mick. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. So, yeah, so I'll just go through a quick overview of how, how Facebook set up. Some of this might be, for some of our audience, a little bit sucking eggs, but we do get people who listen to this who aren't super technical. And then we'll go onwards from there. So to just talk about the infrastructure briefly and how Facebook's set up. So this is according to Facebook's own statement, and it's worth saying that they were quite good, as most of the major tech providers are, about fessing up to what caused the issue and why and and all that. So they basically made it clear in their statement that essentially they have to no one's great surprise, a backbone kind of carrier network—they call it—which is a uh, or a backbone network—which is basically a massive interlink all over the globe that allows them to their data centers to talk to each other. Data centers being big rooms full of computers that allow Facebook to to be a thing, allow it to work. And what they do is they have a series of smaller data centers which serve local geographies. So, you know, there'll be two, three, five, whatever it is in Britain, for example, and probably 100 in the States, whatever it might be. And then they forward requests on via this carrier backbone to the core data centers, which are where sort of the beating heart or the brain of, of Facebook, essentially. So not particularly surprising. It's just distributed cloud computing, really, as we would all recognize it. And the data between across the backbone that's carried across that network is managed by, again, no great surprise, routers. So things that govern where the traffic goes and, and send it in the right direction. And in the, if you think about it, Maintaining something like that is no small task. So many of us want to put our systems into the cloud these days, but actually maintaining these these sort of cloud-based interlinked systems with multiple data centers all over the world and stuff is a huge job. And Facebook are no exception to that. I mean, they do a lot of it themselves rather than outsourcing it to other providers, but they are constantly having to repair and maintain their services. And so that might be adding some more capacity, that might be updating software. All sorts of stuff, you know, all the kind of standard feeding and watering problems that you get on large distributed systems. So what happened then? And with all that context out of the way, what was the problem? So Facebook basically were in the middle of trying to do some maintenance. This is how all this kicked off. And they, were attempt, they put through a command that was attempting to assess the health of that backbone that they've got. So working out whether or not their network was ready to accept a portion of it being taken offline. And to to, uh, read their statement directly on this specific bit, during one of these routine maintenance jobs, a command was issued with the intention to assess the availability of global backbone capacity, which unintentionally took down all the connections in our backbone network, effectively disconnecting Facebook data centers globally. Our systems are designed to audit commands like these to prevent mistakes like this, but a bug in the audit tool prevented that from happening. (laughs) So layers upon layers of stuff designed to stop this from happening, and they all failed this change caused a complete disconnection of our servers between the data centers and the internet. But the story gets even more interesting from here, right? So so that's the first problem. So at this point, all of Facebook's data centers are now disconnected from the internet. They can't talk to the net. But it's not just data centers that make up Facebook and the, the whole application. So there is a thing called DNS, Domain Name Service, which is basically the address book of the internet. And as many of you out there will know, it translates web URLs, so com, into an IP address, which is the thing that a machine can understand as a location. And in order to do that on a massive scale, they use uh, Facebook use their own authoritative name servers. So they connect to the main DNS servers, which I think there are about eight on the internet. And they, they allow people to find, they're, they're on very well-known public IP addresses and they allow people to find Facebook. And that is done. Those servers make themselves available to the internet by using something called BGP or Border Gateway Protocol. Stay with me. I promise we're not going to get too much into the weeds here, right? With me so far? <laughs> so in order to avoid effectively advertising yourself and saying, hey, I'm over here on Facebook, come talk to me, when you're sick and nobody wants to talk to you, if the server thinks that it is, is ill, it will not advertise itself via border gateway protocol so if the server can't talk to the data center the way facebook had set them up was if i can't talk to the data center something must be wrong with me so i will stop advertising myself to the internet all of facebook's uh, sorry data centers at this point are disconnected from each other and the backbone that they are supposed to talk over so none of the servers that advertise Facebook services out to the internet can talk to the data centers, but they approve, or they assume, sorry, it's not you, it's me. So they stop advertising themselves. <laughs> so Facebook literally fell off the internet. That's how it happened, which I think is quite interesting. I'm not sure whether anyone else does, but it, it, it's just amazing that this is what happened to them. So... It, the, although those servers are still working that say, hey, I'm Facebook and would normally say, I'm sorry, right now Facebook's unavailable, they stopped advertising themselves. The internet couldn't talk to them. So nothing. It was just like a black hole. It's a mm. perfect storm, a failure, which is just incredible. The entire internet couldn't talk to them. That kind of blows my mind a little bit that they managed to get themselves into this situation. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you,
2: so, think, do, do you think it's too big to fail? That well, close your mind? yeah,
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll get into the fact that they had never tested for this scenario. But, but yeah, so I mean, isn't that incredible? What a cascade of events that have, that have taken things out there, right? So, so none of their data centers can talk to each other. The backbone's down and the internet can't talk to anything. Can't, you, know, you can't talk to anything via the internet. So do you guys want to have a bit of a stab as to what they, <laughs> what they had to do in order to unpick any of this? So I
1: imagine like most american movies they all moved into this massive boardroom and they've got crisis meeting yeah yeah loads of people on vtc Rolled that they're talking to all sleeves. over the world mainly asian based because that's where the most of the services will be and they're going through a very smartly written well-executed bcdr <laughs> plan and that's oh, yeah of course and, yeah and everything worked out perfectly, a bit of Bruce Willis and a vest with blood on it, and that's it, and everything's fine within 24 hours.
0: I like your version. I think, I think they should have done a Bollywood version instead where they all just burst into song and dance, <laughs> <laughs> solved it with a dance number. Did they
2: do one of two things? Did they, did they rock up to the data center and plug themselves in, or did they use, like, another cloud provider to get access, like Amazon or something?
0: So you are right in, obviously you're right in one instance and wrong in the other. So yeah, so they, they couldn't use another cloud provider because the other cloud provider couldn't contact the DNS servers because they weren't broadcasting <laughs> themselves anymore. So they couldn't do that. And actually what they, what they said was, so they have a number of very, very clever tools that are designed to diagnose problems like this. And all of them broke simultaneously because DNS was down. <laughs> so they, they simply, their own language was they broke. Um, we couldn't use any of our tools, so they actually sent people—literally sent people in cars—and um, sent cars. them to the data centers because that was that was literally the only way. Yeah, <laughs> Well presumably an armored convoy, because <laughs> like, like I mean, at this point.
2: Because yeah, I mean, at this whole, point, whole you
0: think how much money they must be losing a, losing a second, right? But anyway, yeah. so, so they send people to the data centers and that was literally the only thing they could do because they're totally, dis- Facebook itself, totally disconnected from the internet. Just blows my mind. So what's the next problem they're going to hit? <laughs> you go to one of Facebook's data centers, you can't just walk in. So their own engineers took ages to get on site because they had to go through so many security protocols. Because they never need to go to the data centers, mm-hmm. right? Because they can do it all remotely. So they get there and they have to go through a bunch of secure access protocols, and then eventually they get into their into the servers, uh, into the system, and they're able to assess the health of what's going on. And We've they're able the to got the password. Fix it. Well, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Put yeah. Put it on a post it. Yeah pa 5 5 yeah.
1: Surely they all use their own DNA to access anything, like fingerprints and all yeah. that kind of stuff. That's what you'd think, wouldn't yeah. you? There's some kind well, of retina uh, yeah. scan going on. Retina scan all day. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe they just have to stare into a mirror and repeat Mark Zuckerberg's and if you don't get name in, you're five shocked. times over. <laughs> Summon him. Anyway, so, so yeah, so at this point, right, so they, they've worked out what they can do. There's another problem, though, with this, right? So... Think about it. What happens when you turn Facebook back on? Want to have a stab at that one?
1: Do they have to turn it back on in smaller modules? Yeah,
0: bingo. Yeah. So that's exactly the problem they had. So some of that. This again. This again blows my mind. But some of the Facebook data centers were reporting power usage drops in the tens of megawatts, and they were very worried that when they turned everything back on, if they turned it on all back on in one go, there would be such a surge of Cached traffic. So, cache is where basically yeah. you queue stuff up, unspooling itself, that it would literally DDoS their own service back into inactivity again. So, DDoS, for those who are wondering, is dedicated denial of service. It's where somebody spams a website with so many connection requests that it just falls over. It can't cope with the amount of traffic and it just dies in a heap. So, they basically were in a situation where they, they would have had to, they would have risked DDoSing their own services by bringing it back up. This is where we actually do get into their BCDR plan, their backup and disaster recovery plan, because they had done drills on small parts, smaller parts of the service, bringing them back up gradually. So they did actually have a sort of tick list for what order to do this in, but they'd never tried it globally or even thought about how they would do it globally. So they had to basically take that process that was written for an individual data center or something like that, and then extrapolate that to the, the, the entire earth mm. wow. <laughs> to bring this back up. Absolutely mental, isn't it?
2: It's good to know that Facebook do the stuff that we've all done and been through. It's precisely why we outsource all our stuff to cloud providers, isn't it? To get (laughs) to get rid of get rid of all this grief. I wonder why Facebook don't make use of Amazon or Microsoft. I mean, who knows?
0: Maybe they do. Maybe that is part of the backbone. Maybe they do now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) They'd be a big customer for them, though, wouldn't they? I guess they don't want them to they would. Netflix do. The They're Netflix in competition with them, aren't they? I guess Facebook.
0: Yeah. So that is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Probably going to butcher his name here. My sincere apologies to him if he's listening. He probably isn't, but I hope he does. So Santosh Janardhan, I think it is, who's the infrastructure vice president for Facebook, said he found it interesting to see how Facebook's security measures slowed us down when we tried to recover from an outage caused not by malicious activity, but by an error of our own making. However, he said, I believe the trade-off like this is worth it. Greatly increased day-to-day security versus a slower recovery from what's hopefully a rare event like this. So it was, uh, it's interesting because the register, when I was doing the research, who are a, a tech publication, they were talking about how they're not alone in this. There was a massive AWS outage in 2017, which was caused by a single error that AWS themselves made. And also IBM managed to take their own cloud down in June of 2020, planet-wide again.
2: No one noticed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear! Poor old IBM Cloud, which was exacerbated by the fact that they hosted their status page about what the status of their cloud service was on their own cloud service. So when that got knocked out, <laughs> it took out the status page, so no one had a clue what was going on. Yeah. Uh, lesson learned there. Right uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty. Your much. cloud is down. <laughs> Anyone want to have a stab at the cost? The estimated costs of this outage oh. to Facebook. Here, not, not to the wider internet because I couldn't find any figures on how much money everybody else lost.
2: So this is the amount of cost to bring it back
1: up as opposed no, to lost this in is, revenue this is from the, amount the customers of lost,
0: that use it? this the okay, amount of lost revenue in. to Facebook themselves.
1: So they include service level agreements for all the advertisers that all of that kind of I, stuff. Do you know...
0: I don't, I'm not sure. I think it was basically worked out from the, from the formulas that I found. I think it was Forbes and, and a few other people, Fortune, I think, and a couple of others that did it. And they basically just took Facebook's reported profit figures, I think, and divided oh, okay. them down to a per minute yeah. and then times it by the number of minutes that Facebook was down for across all its services. I think that's how they did it. It was a bit 100. quick and dirty. $50
1: million. Dollars. Nope. Higher than that. I was going to say $500 million.
0: No, it's so lower than that. So Fortune pinned it at 100 million. Another figure I saw was 86. How
1: many days was it out of service?
0: All this uh, I don't think it was days. I think it was a few hours. I think oh, it was about was six, it? Okay. six, seven was hours out or something. I it for like two days or something. But... Uh, yeah. So, um, so supposedly bad, is it? Six, the ex- or... experts have used the number to approximate the average loss to $163,565 for every minute of the outage facebook that's how much money they think they lost also interestingly it tanked share facebook share price by five percent overnight which wiped 47.3 billion off its market cap (laughs) and that's not including all the impacts to everybody who as you say had all the adverts and Mm. who had all their federate because don't forget a lot of people use facebook as a federated authentication service
1: Mm. so
0: people you can sign into all sorts of websites these days with facebook right yeah so all of that was down couldn't sign into the if you're using it to sign into, I don't know. I can't think of an example that uses it. But if you were, you couldn't I think do it. Some so you of the
1: kind of uh, food delivery type of services use everything. Facebook, don't they? Loads
2: yeah. of stuff yeah. use it.
0: Loads of stuff. You does, get the but,
2: options, don't you? Google, Facebook, Microsoft. Google, Facebook, Facebook.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or create your own account. And I always create my own account or for this your reason. Own, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So amazing story, huh? Interesting. A problem the of their own bloke making.
2: That pressed the button.
0: Oh he? yeah, can you has imagine? He got,
2: is he having therapy or something? Is he sort of in a dark room rocking?
0: Well, we've all been there, haven't we? I, I
2: it would be interesting to know how they treated him Facebook. Yeah, actually. that would be interesting. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. this happens to all it certainly happened to me, where you press the button and go,
0: Oh shit. Is this your database story? This
2: is my <laughs> database story. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> You yeah, ran a command. Right, yeah. that
2: deleted all open orders. Yeah, that, was, for, uh, for, that was, for, a, wow.
0: for an e-commerce company. For yeah. an
2: e-commerce company, yeah, which is yeah. quite important apparently for e-commerce companies online mm, orders. Yeah, but but yeah, how they treated it would be that would that would show that would that for me would be an interesting story and in how how Facebook treat their treat their staff mistakes and all.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a super interesting point. I'd love to know because people who do take decisions that have very significant impacts. I'm thinking about doctors and stuff here. You know, everybody makes mistakes, and I'd like to think that they didn't. I mean, they didn't do it knowing that was going to happen. It was a failure of multiple Mm. levels of tooling, which Mm. is supposed to catch errors like this. And all they were doing was trying to assess whether or not the backbone had enough capacity on it. It's not like they they ran a sort of delete backbone star kind of command, you know, and and literally... you did. Do they not
1: have like a test backbone where they do all of this two months in advance and check everything before doing Um,
0: it i I don't know but remember point
1: yeah need a test back
0: yeah but remember this is this is the global kind of fiber interlink kind of system that allows everything to talk to everything so they've probably got test portions of it but i don't think it would be reasonable to build a test version because you'd have to have fiber all over the globe at a massive scale like facebook does twice so it'd be quite hard. But if you
2: search for that guy's name who pressed the button, you just can't find oh, it anymore. Yeah. He's been eradicated from the internet.
0: LinkedIn
1: profile gone.
2: Yeah, his family haven't
1: heard from him.
0: He's been <laughs> zucked off the face <laughs> of the planet. It's
1: gone. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. he's speaking to Bruce Willis about the film they're going to read. He's got
0: the film, right? Bruce story. Willis
1: is going to play him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So yeah that's that was it that was the story but I just think it's amazing I mean I guess lessons learned are, are obviously you mm. know it's it was a cascade it's like a perfect storm scenario but even yeah. if I guess the main message for me is if this can happen to Facebook <laughs> then like I've been banging on about in previous podcasts I think everybody just needs to pay more attention to backup and disaster recovery and But why wouldn't it
2: I think I know you've been saying it, but why wouldn't it I think we put these kind of and this is maybe half the problem we put these these technology companies on such a pedestal, where we think that actually IT problems don't apply to them—they, of course, they do. They apply, and that's why we think that we can put stuff on a cloud platform and not worry about business continuity or things failing, because we think, well, it's it's Amazon, it's Google, it's Microsoft. Do you know what I mean? They would have taken account of all things, and that's just not the case.
0: Well, it's not possible, is it? It's just not humanly possible, as this well, example demonstrates. They're all human, aren't they? They're all skilled human. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just not possible to think of everything and, and always manage everything. And I completely agree with what you just said, Will. Yeah, that, that is my main point is we can't treat the cloud as this magic thing that's never going to fail and even someone like Facebook can't. Yeah, so I just thought it was an amazing story. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, really, really cool.
2: So, so don't use Facebook, I think, is the moral of the story.
0: Well, I don't anyway. So that's more no, because I don't on. care about <laughs> social, social media, really. I, I guess I use Instagram and WhatsApp, so technically I do, but yeah, not yeah. much.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's Facebook. Meta, sorry. Any closing
1: thoughts? I think it's similar to what Will said, that it's reassuring to know that it happens everywhere and it's not just like smaller companies or places where smaller scale than these global companies. Conglomerates like Facebook. So I think mm. that's the important thing is that they're being honest and they're sharing what's happened. Yeah. So that everybody that can was kind good. Of, well, understand. That it. was good,
2: wasn't it? Because not, sometimes you find companies that masking over the truth aren't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they they really that, did own it as well. They said this was a problem, as you said, as I said that that was a direct too. quote that I spoke about earlier from that VP of infrastructure. You know, he said it was a problem of our own making. So they have fessed up. Which is good to see, you know, transparency and communication are the key to good relationships, I guess. So so with that, we'll move on to the recommendation section of the show, if we may. Who wants to go first this week? Any volunteers? Nope. <laughs> Will, go. <laughs> um.
2: <laughs> I'm going to talk about sci-fi books, actually. Oh, good.
0: It's just like
2: uh, it may turn some people off, but I'm, I'm always interested in sci-fi books. So there's a, there's a series of books called the Expanse series of books. Oh, Yeah. And the first one starts, it's called Leviathan Wakes. And I think there are about nine, I want to say nine books in the series from 2010 or 11 up to present day. It's supported also by a Netflix series, which is quite interesting to. Read the book and then go and watch the the equivalent Netflix series. That's quite a nice way of doing it. I, I always prefer mm-hmm. to read the book first than, than watch the series. Uh, but both are equally good, which is also good.
0: I think it was on Netflix. I think it's now on Amazon Prime. Actually, I think it's I'm moved. Sorry,
2: it is. You're quite right. It is. Yeah, yes. they it moved. started I on Netflix because yeah.
0: I, I nearly looked at. I, I nearly started watching this, but I'm I've got other things um, I'm watching at the moment. But yeah, it's meant to be excellent. But I think it's now all moved to Amazon. Yeah.
2: You're you're quite right. Yeah, the author is uh, James James Corey, and it's actually James S. A. Corey is the name. And so why I say it like that because actually it's two writers, <laughs> um, and they've used middle names of children, dogs, or their houses to come up with this particular name, James S. Corey, which I actually didn't know until I did a bit of background research. I thought it was just a single author, so it's actually two authors. So it's 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 a great series, and and it's really it's really lifelike it was sort of like really does paint a great picture of what it would be like in the near future if we colonized like our existing solar system and how different factions would break out so they have basically three main groups of people they have people that have stayed on earth and they're and it's and it's and they're the un people that have moved to mars and people that have moved to outer planets so Asteroids and moons in the in the in the outer planets and they're called belters and they're and they're more of the outcast, which you could actually see because they're furthest away, but Earth and Mars use them for all their commodities, so it could completely exploit them and the people are slightly different physiologically because there's no gravity there so so they can't they could never go back to Earth because of the gravity what they call gravity wells because it would it would kill them. Mars is more is more technically a military advanced, and Earth and the UN is continually to continuing to pollute <laughs> the vast <laughs> the vast natural
0: assets. They're doing well <laughs> that, that, that they've got COP three thousand and ninety nine or whatever.
2: <laughs> so so that in itself is really interesting, and you can really see how the, actually that's probably how it would be if we colonize the solar system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what is also they they bring a little angle into it where they discover there's a there's an alien discovery and how it impacts these different these different communities across the solar system how it how it impacts the different populations the different cultures the dynamics of it all and then the dawning realization of what this alien discovery actually means for them as a as a, as a human race so thoroughly recommend it really good
0: how yes. far are you into the the books and the series
2: so i'm i'm on book five and i th- and I'm on Series 2. Oh, cool. So, yeah. yeah I, that's I'm how I really, like to do it. I like to read and then I'm really
0: watch. interested to watch it because I think also they do, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think with the spaceships, particularly in the battles and stuff, they use Newtonian physics, don't they? So they don't swoop around like fighter planes. They sort of actually manoeuvre in space like a spaceship would. Exactly. That's right, they with do. momentum yeah. and everything. and. No, and yeah. Yeah, so the only other show that really did that, which I still think is probably the best sci-fi show I've ever seen, was Babylon 5 years ago, mm-hmm. which the special effects mm-hmm. are terrible, but the plot that. is absolutely incredible. Yes. Um, and that had full Newtonian physics when, when they were flying, so all the battle scenes were, were them drifting, basically, and, and yes. all this you know sort of stuff. So it looks it like... Which brings it of... to
2: life and makes it much more realistic. If you love Babylon yeah. 5, you'll love this.
0: Yeah, they're rem- by the way, they are remaking Babylon 5, which is pretty cool if you were a fan. Excellent. JK, did you want to go next?
1: Yeah, so my recommendation is the app version of SurveyMonkey. So most people might have heard of SurveyMonkey and used it in a corporate setting. I've definitely done that for clients I've worked with. It's good for questionnaires and surveys and that kind of stuff. But the reason for recommending the app version is that whenever you're trying to arrange something with some friends, like going to dinner somewhere, but you have to kind of understand when people are available and where they want to go, all that kind of stuff, it can be quite laborious and tedious, especially with my friends, because instead of answering the question, they come up with other stupid suggestions. (laughs) So to focus them and to get the data needed, it's quite easy. Within like two or three minutes, you can put... Three or four questions together in a survey, send it in WhatsApp, and you get the information you need. So that's why I'm recommending Survey Monkey. Yeah, okay. I've never
2: used Survey Monkey, I have to say, but I don't have a lot of friends, so oh, okay. <laughs> I would do it with my family.
0: I think Emma uses it quite a lot, actually, with her friends for sorting out sort of girls' nights out and bits and pieces like that. They'll do a Survey Monkey thing to find a good date, stuff like that. So
2: Is this where you'll have lots of options of dates and you sort of? you give people
1: these options and then, they, and then you, you look at where everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It will do like word clouds and stuff for you. So if people, like if you give them options in terms of where do you want to go and give them multiple choices or free text, it will tell you what the most popular kind of uh, thing. It mm. does the analytics inbuilt for you. So, it's, yeah, it's quite snazzy.
0: Cool, cool. Okay, so my recommendation finally is The Good Doctor. Have either of you heard of this medical drama series?
1: I think I've seen it, but not really it's paid tough. attention to it
0: kind of thing. It's it's an interesting premise, actually. So it starts off very, and you think, oh, I know where this is going, right? So there's a guy, his name is Dr. Sean Murphy. He's brilliant, really brilliant. He's a savant, in fact. He's got, you know, perfect recall. He's extraordinarily gifted in medical matters. And you think, okay, here we go, another house. You know, it's going to be the same episode for seven seasons or whatever it is over and over again, where everyone else is an incompetent Muppet and this guy comes along. However, it's not that because Sean Murphy is also very, well, not very, but he's he's quite noticeably autistic. So he has he has autistic spectrum disorder as well as Savant syndrome. And they have shot for making it very, very clear and obvious and making that a major plot point about how he is able to function and work as a surgeon, which is what he wants to become. He's, he's mm. in the early part of his career in this. And they don't shy away from an awful lot of the, the issues that he faces with his autism. He's played by a guy called Freddie Highmore, who was the main character in The Bates Motel, which was the Psycho prequel series that was made a little while ago. He doesn't have autism himself, so his portrayal is uh, quite...
2: I was wondering. So this extraordinary. Acted. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But he does have somebody on set with him at all times who does, mm-hmm. who advises him on what to do. And they, they go to some really quite extreme lengths to depict the various issues that his condition causes him. So when he's in the hospital things are pretty good because he's in his comfort zone, but a lot of the stuff that happens in his personal life and his in his interactions with other people, they're reasonably realistically portrayed. There's been some criticism of of the way the autism in it is portrayed, but it's it's still quite admirable what they're doing. The other thing that the series does really well is it doesn't make the supporting cast a bunch of idiots, which I really like. So he's surrounded by other junior doctors who are all at the same stages of their careers and they're all equally brilliant as he is Mm. so they're all really clever people you know and they they all make an equal amount of mistakes including him his ability to recall every medical textbook he's ever read with perfect detail is often sort of used to allow him to come up with quite you know clever diagnoses and bits and bobs But all his colleagues are also very clever. They just can't remember quite as much stuff as as him. So he doesn't always get everything right, and he isn't always the answer to every problem. And they all have very, very good development. So I really like that. But, yeah, it's a good show. I'd recommend it. Emma's been watching it a lot. She's binging it, and I'm sort of picking up episodes as she's going through, and and I'm I'm quite a long way behind her. But it's, it's a good show. It's worth a look, and it's a fascinating it's good to see something like that being made, you know, with with a character with those particular problems, and whether or not it's a hundred percent accurate, I can't say. But it is, it, it's good. I, I'd recommend it. So give it a go. Sounds good. It's
2: it does sound interesting. It would be better if it was done with an actor who had that actual condition.
0: Yeah, I I mean. <sighs>
2: Not, I, but, I, I don't mean that in a kind of, do you know what I mean? In a do-goody yeah. kind of sense. I think What's, it would that would be more that would actually for me be really interesting.
0: Yeah, mm. I mean that would be. But I what I do think they do very well with it is they they don't have him be some really cool like buff, good-looking guy who's completely normal but occasionally goes Make into us. his mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean he he doesn't do the Sherlock thing where he's pretty normal and just a teeny bit weird and then goes into yeah. his mind palace and is yeah. the answer to every problem. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's, yeah. he's this slightly gawky looking kid, but he has like so us. many of the mannerisms of, uh, of <laughs> thanks Will, of someone with, with ASD. You know, he never makes eye contact with people. He doesn't like to be touched. Um, when people try and talk to him, they have, the other characters have to figure out that the reason he won't answer them a lot of the time is because he doesn't like questions. Yeah. So if you, if you phrase your, your stuff to him as statements, instead he'll answer you. But if you ask him a question, he won't. And it, it, it's this kind of stuff, and it's it's fascinating watching how the other characters are initially like, well, there's just no way he can do this job. This is Reactive. ridiculous. Yeah, but actually, late, you know, the, they then start defending him, and and when he's in difficult situations where he's asked to testify, for example, and he just can't because of you know his his issues, his his condition, he, the other characters are able to. To get him to to do it because they understand that he, he you know he's capable and he knows what he's doing but his condition prevents him from relaying the information properly it's it's just good it's it's worth a watch I'd give it a shot yeah
1: sounds mm-hmm. interesting sounds good
0: yeah the good doctor uh it's available on Amazon Prime at the moment yeah, for free as nice. well yeah. Amazon in the UK.
2: Prime again they're on a yeah. roll Amazon Prime
0: yeah yeah nice. um and I think there's four seasons so far so yeah give it a go. So with all that said, I think that's the show, guys. Thanks very much for participating again. Hope it was interesting. If anybody out there is listening and wants to get in touch with the show, we'd love to hear your feedback. Tell us whether the good doctors, a good portrayal of autism, by all means, that'd be an interesting one to know, wouldn't it? We're available on ddkpod at ddklimited.com. That's ddkpod at ddklimited.com. We're also available on Twitter. At DDK Limited, and we're on LinkedIn. We are Dalton Day Candola, spelled out in full. So it just remains for me to say thanks very much, guys, and we'll see everybody next time. Thank you.
1: See you later. Cheers. Bye.
0: You are right, it'd definitely be better if they cast someone who actually had the condition, wouldn't it? But Or Bruce Willis,
1: he, he could do it as well. Or Bruce Willis again.
0: Bruce Willis does autistic, no He's thank you. He's your
1: go-to actor, isn't he? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Everything's played by Bruce Willis in your mind.